out of the um, NIV Bible, and this is what it says, a familiar passage. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. Look at your neighbor and say, you have been summoned. You have been summoned. I have summoned you by name. I have summoned you by name. When you are mine, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Why? For I am the Lord your God. And it goes on to say, the Holy One, your Savior. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've been summoned by name. This morning, if you really believed, if I really believed that we had been summoned by name. Summoned means to be called forth to something. If we really believe that before the world began, that our name was spoken and that God called us by name, what would we feel is possible. Let's lift one hand. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you have accomplished in this room this morning through powerful worship. We thank you for what you've accomplished, Lord, in these altars. We thank you for the prayers of faith. We thank you for what you've done in Sonia's life, Annette and Angela's sister. We thank you for their faith for her. And this morning, we've come to receive from you, Lord, because we know your word is active and live and living and full of power. So this morning, in these next few minutes, we've come to receive, to be changed, and to leave differently than the way we came in. In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen. Summoned by name. I want you to imagine two little boys, and one little boy is birthed by parents whose names mean prayer and consecration. Crazy, isn't it? Two parents who made marriage love sorry young people who got together under the umbrella of marriage and created a child how's that sound and they created and conceived a child and they're actually their names because one was from the house of levi and one was from the tribe of consecration meant prayer and consecration and they conceived a little boy and when that little boy was born, he was born into a time period. I'm not teaching on this little boy. I'm teaching on God summoning you by name. But he was born into a time period in when the Pharaoh's voice was saying the child must die. That the child's life must end. I'm going to tell you that this boy had been summoned by God. And before you discount yourself and discredit yourself, because your mama's name wasn't consecration, your daddy's name sure wasn't prayer, hold on, because I got a better story to encourage you in a moment. But this baby was born in a time period when the voices said, kill the child. I'm going to tell you the lions that roared against Daniel and the lions that roared in the time of Moses there are similar lions today with teeth fanged full of venom against you and your purpose, against the name that the Lord has given you and the thing he has called you forth to do. Whether you are 
15 or you are almost 50, the same lions roar. But what I have news to tell you is the lion that called you forth, that summoned you by name before you were in your mother's womb is the lion of the tribe of Judah whose roar consumes the enemy who seeks to destroy and prowls around at night and day to discourage, discredit, get you on a detour away that which you have been summoned. But when God summons you, it sticks. Somebody just give him a hand clap of praise for that. And this mama saw this baby and you know the story of Moses, she hit him. She saw that he was a, in Hebrew, it actually says she saw that he was a goodly child, which the breakdown of the Hebrew word kanash means he was well favored. She saw that purpose of her life as well favored. And that child was summoned and he did great work. In 1940, there was another woman. Her name was Myra Wattenger. She could have been the epitome or the poster child of a country song of that time, Down on Your Luck. She was in Texas. Her parents had both died as an adolescent. She had no siblings. She was on her own with no inheritance. She really didn't know what her future held for her. And she sure didn't know if she believed in any God. And if he was alive, if he was there, why was her life where it was? Myra Wattinger thought it could not get worse. She got hired to take care of an elderly man. And every day she would sit with that elderly man. It barely paid her bills, but it was the only job afforded to her. One day, just when she thought life could not take an uglier turn, one of the sons of this elderly man came in while he was sleeping and he raped Myra. And the chances of becoming pregnant out of a rape are very rare. But Myra found herself a few months later pregnant. All she could think of was this child must die. I've got to kill this child. I can't go on. I don't have enough. And there's no way I can raise this baby. She went to an abortion clinic in 1940. Unfortunate for her, but fortunately for the generation that lives today, abortions were not so easy to be found. And a doctor would not agree with her. And she went home and decided that she would abort the baby herself by her own means. She sat down in the backyard of her house, the house where she worked. And as she sat there and decided what she was going to do, she said, God, I wish you were real. And if you were real, I wish you could help me. A voice silently and quietly spoke into her heart and said, Myra, this is God. And the child that you have conceived is a child that will bring joy to this world. This child will bring deliverance to this world. Myra believed in the voice and she believed in the God that spoke to her and she carried the baby full term. The baby's life took many terminalist and just horrible turns through his life. He lived in foster houses. He was away from his mother a lot. But one day working at a chemical plant, one day he went to a revival at night. He went into the revival and he walked down to the altars. He gave his heart to the Lord. He went back to the chemical plant the next day where men three times his age were using such profanity and speaking of their wives as dogs. And he said to them, he stood up on the truck bed and he said to them, I am half most of your age and I'm supposed to be trained and you're supposed to be showing me what a man can be. But all you're showing me is how to speak obscenities and all you're showing me 
is how to speak negative of your wife. But I met a man named Jesus Christ last night and my life has been pretty much hell up to this point. But I'm believing it's all turning around and I ask any of you in this chemical plant, even though you're twice my age, to come right down over here to this little flatbed of this truck and receive Jesus as your Savior. Well, surprisingly, many came down and revival broke out at that chemical plant and God began to move, but it didn't stop for that man. That man today is on television every day of the week. His name is James Robinson and he is a modern day Moses who was summoned by God before his conception to do the works of the Lord in our day. I'm gonna tell you when God summons your name, whether you were conceived by parents whose names mean prayer and consecration or you were conceived by a rape or by parents who never cared for you there comes a wake-up moment in your life when you say God if you're really real and if you have really summoned me by name then here I am in 2011 to receive your word somebody give God a hand clap of praise this morning Summoned by name. This word came through Isaiah. This word came to the people of Israel to become a word to us today. This word out of the book of Isaiah. It became a strong word that we often quote. And sometimes when you hear it, you become concerned of what exactly could that verse mean for your life. But the summoned by name. And one other point are the points that we should hold on to. Most of the time, we just look when you pass through the fire. And fiery trials, we talked about that Wednesday night. We have been sunk deep into the book of Daniel on Wednesday night. And we talked about fiery trials and how during trials are the only time or the best time when people can see that your faith is genuine. In fact, Peter said the testing of your faith is to prove to the world that you are not fake, but you are genuine in your faith. You see those fiery trials that they've been going through with their sister Sonia has proved that their faith is genuine. The things that you've gone through, the hard presses, the, the trials, the tests, they have proved to people around you that you are genuine, that your faith is secure. Faith is often put in the crucible. What's a crucible? A crucible is when the heat is turned up and everything possibly you have believed in or believed for doesn't seem to or be appearing to happen around you. It's when things seem to be sometimes going opposite of things that the Lord has declared, even as Pastor Bryce said this morning that he saw things about his sister six or seven years ago and it's looked so opposite for six or seven years but yet he is standing upon the fact and the belief that God summoned that sister by name that God called her by name before she was ever in her mother's womb that is the hope and the prayer and the faith that keeps us going and believing in the people that we love in ourselves. that before they were God summoned them by name I remember every night growing up my parents prayed a prayer I can't 
quote it. Pastor and I have our own, but it's a quotation. You say to each other, then Pastor and I made our own up when we got married. And every night we could hear them in their bedroom saying the same thing. And then when we would travel with my daddy when he would preach and we'd all be in the motel room, we'd hear them because we'd all sleep in that same room because, you know, we just didn't have the money to divide up in three rooms. So all in one big room, we'd hear them make these declarations to each other of their love until death do us part every single night of their life. And then when they were done, they would say, and God, we thank you for our health and we thank you for our children's health. I remember as a little child thinking, why are they so insistent? And why are they so diligent in every night thanking God for help? We've got so many wonderful things that we could thank the Lord. They need to, and you know, the younger generation always thinks they know a little bit more than the preceding generation. Come on. They need to enlarge their borders. My God, they're just thanking Him for health every night. They need to thank Him for wealth and my new bicycle and my new red hat and my new shoes. But every night they were insistent. My parents knew that when you name a thing, when you thank God for a certain thing, when you name it, in the Bible, when God names something, it gives significance and importance to it. And when you thank God and you name something to God that you're thankful for, it brings a significance. And that thankfulness always precedes miracles. Since that time, I've begun to thank God as a young adult and as a grown adult for things that other people wouldn't think we're so thankful for things that seem to be so trivial like the energy to walk up my oak steps though the firemen scratched them up crazy a year ago this weekend when fire broke out in my house I thank the Lord for the energy to climb up those stairs the 1,000th time to put clothes up or to bring clothes down oh can I get a witness from a sister in the house did I thank him for the strength when I'm cooking I thank him till Christine gets so frustrated straight on the way home because she knows the question is coming. What are you most thankful for? And get her to look outside. Thank him for the birds. Because I know when I name these things that thankfulness brings the presence of God. And it also reminds me that some of the most beautiful, wonderful, delightful, pleasurable, mighty things are the little things. Like the fact that I've got food in my cupboard. Like the fact that I can stand on my two feet. That the fact that I can go up and clean that bathroom bathtub. It's the fact I know a dear friend who prayed in the hospital dying of cancer that she could just go home and scrub her commodes one more time. Jesus, please, please let me go home and let me just clean my commodes. When I read that in one of the highest books on Amazon right now, a thousand grateful things. I remember when I read that in that book, it opened up a new venue in my heart to remember. It's those simple things in life that sometimes we find tedious if they were taking from us and we were laying at death's door or we were laying at the end of ourselves we would beg God God let me just please work four more years God just let me go forth and take care of my babies the things God that sometimes I've mumbled about and I've grumbled about when I'm tired and I'm weary Lord I ask you and I thank you for strength to go and work eight hours tomorrow and then go home 
home into a house that's got air conditioning and heating. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for that which I have to eat. When Jesus broke bread the night of the Passover, the next day he would be going before Pilate and he would go for his crucifixion. It says he eucristo in the grace in the Greek means that he broke the bread and he gave thanks for it. He thanked God when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, I thank you, Father, that you hear me. He thanked him that preceded the miracle. I believe we need to bring a new thankfulness that opens up our heart. This woman that wrote this book that's climbed up Amazon, it's a Christian book. She wrote it in a poetic style. Max Lucado says there's not one that's arisen on the horizon. She's a farmer's wife in Canada. Six children that she homeschools, but she began to thank God because she could not overcome the brutal death of her baby sister when she was two years old and she toddled in front of a truck and her body was crushed in the presence but as a mother of six still not able to get past that moment in her past when things did not happen her father stopped going to church she was bused to school in Canada but one day she read Eucharisto and she read thankfulness and she began to thank God for the pigs in her backyard and her six children around her feet and then it took on a while worldwide craze and made her book go all the way to Amazon in the Christian community. Why? Because people are hungry to be reminded of the beautiful, simple things that the Lord has given us this day that marks us as children of the Most High God. Somebody praise Him this morning. So when you go home today, Hope House, thank Him that you have a bedroom. Thank him when you go in the door that you have pastors like David and Connie. Thank him. I remember waitressing and being so tired and thanking God that I was paying off the debts that I had to my name. I remember thanking him. Why? Because two parents every night said simple statement. I thank you, God, for our health. I will tell you that my parents have sailed through in their life in physical conditions. They have sailed through and I give all the glory to God I can't tell you that that's a promise seal but I can tell you this to thank him makes you remember all the things so at school tomorrow young people you thank him that you have books and you remember the children in other countries like the Sudan who are being drafted into armies that day and you thank him that you have the ability to see and you thank him for the journey to work that often you grumble about and you thank him that that your paved highways are still open. And as you begin to thank him, miracles begin to emerge. And as you begin to bless him for the simplest little things, I'm gonna tell you in times of lack, in times of fire, at this scripture says in times when the waters feel like they're gonna overwhelm you, I promise you, if you begin to thank the Lord for 52 cents to get a pack of gum, your thankfulness barometer will just keep going up. And once you tag 
like something, you're kind of like Adam in the garden. You name the giraffe and you can't help it. You're moving next toward the elephant. You see a rhinoceros, you give him his name. And before you know it, the monkey comes running by and you begin to name him. And then you see something else coming and oh, that is a trout. I must name that a trout. And oh, that is a whale. I must name that a whale. You get into the flow of naming the things that God has created in your life that are bountiful and beautiful and glorious you will find that you just can't stop yourself you'll get up in the middle of the night to thank him that you slept for two and a half hours you begin to name the things that God has done for you when the waters seem to overwhelm you when the fire the test the hard times the things the times that things don't look the way you want them to look you begin to praise him at the bottom of your paper there's a quote and it's by my dear friend pastor perry who worships from heaven this morning my very sunday best friend's husband who fought lung cancer in its severe stage it was found when he was already in the very last stages of lung cancer but he put this up on the wall of his church that he pastored father don't let what's wrong with me keep me from worshiping what is right with you in the middle of his biggest trial in the middle of the biggest thing he was going through he wanted his church to know he wanted to declare it when I come into the house of the Lord I'm not gonna let what is wrong with me what is broken with me what is just not feeling very snappy about me what is not just feeling on point about me what is not feeling cute or intelligent about me and then what it lies in the arena of those things that are heartbreaking I am not going to let what's wrong with me keep me from worshiping what's right with him some worshiper in the house needs to send up a praise to God some worshiper in the house needs to send up a thank you Jesus that I can praise him and thank him and focus on him summoned by name imagine three other little boys as we kind of turn the corner three other little boys their names are Mishnela, Hazariah, and Hananiah. Imagine them going into rabbi school. They'd go into rabbi school and they would learn the Torah, living in the land of Israel. About five or six years old, you were taken in to the Torah school. And they would completely learn the word of God. And Isaiah would have just freshly written this about a hundred years later. Of fear not, I'm with you. I've created you. I've redeemed you. You know, it's amazing sometimes what we think has redeemed us. That our intelligence has redeemed us. That our grades have redeemed us. That our incredible DNA has redeemed us. That America has redeemed us. We think that our money has redeemed us. But God says none of these things have redeemed you I the Lord means I bought you with a price of my own blood I bought you myself they would hear these words of I've redeemed you I've created you I have summoned you by name you are mine those little boys would grow up and if they got tagged by a rabbi they would become a rabbi student and they would follow him the amazing thing is that when Jesus found the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and all those other guys, the amazing thing is those were rejects that a rabbi did not pick up. Listen to me. 
You see, a rabbi picked you up at young adolescence and that means he saw that you had made it all the way through the studies and now you could hang with him and train with him. You were up for the upper echelon. The amazing thing to me is Peter and James and John all according to history would have been trained, but a rabbi did not deem them worthy or appropriate enough until he who came, who walked with different eyes and spoke with different words and saw things he saw them he picked them up that's why when he said come follow me the words were so powerful because the rabbis would say follow me let the hem of the end of my robe come across your feet as you come right along with me and that meant you are a man you are powerful but the men that Jesus found they were rejects that some rabbi did not pick up but on an appointed day because God had summoned them before the foundations of the world a rabbi called Yeshua Hamashiach the anointed son of God tapped them picked them up and anointed them I don't know about you but there was a lot of earthly rabbis that did not give me a hope I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer the smoothest stick of butter I wasn't the greasy oil or any of that but I had a rabbi who saw me in my inadequacies who saw me in my limitations maybe my SAT didn't get me here that's nothing we want to talk about today but the rabbi named Jesus he saw me and he said I've chosen you let the hem of my garment rape across your feet come follow me into the land of the broken come on I wish I had somebody this morning who believes that a rabbi picked you up when the earthly rabbis and the juricators and all of those others did not give you a dime but the Lord said he chose you he summoned you before the foundations of the world he knew what he was getting into he knew every weakness every limitation he knew your secret sins the things you would lie about and hide about and put in darkness and he still chose you somebody give him praise this morning he summoned you he summoned you by name but these little three boys that we have studied as grown men about and we're not going to study about them this morning their names that you know them about are Babylonian names Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because when they were taken into Babylon Nebuchadnezzar gave them new names as the world wants to do with you and I but I prefer to call them by their God-given names Mishnah, Hazariah and Hananiah because of what those names mean and I can see them all of a sudden coming against a what we would call uh, best word would be an image consultant and his name was Nebuchadnezzar there are always going to be image and listen young people listen brothers and sisters there's always going to be in the world image consultants that say to you let me clean this image up for you now we all want to look our best do our best work with excellence strive with excellence speak with excellence always 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 in our church and in our individuals always but we have to do it God's way even using technology in God's way. And Nebuchadnezzar built a huge image and he wanted them to bow down to it. You know that part, we're not going to stay right there. And they met these image consultants as we often hit, they say to us, this is a corporate world. It's not a corporate world. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is the body of believers all over the world. The world tries to come in sometimes and say to you as individuals, you need to do this or do that and anything to, again, raise your standard of excellence, raise your education, all of that I am 100% 
behind completely do it myself absolutely study to show yourself approved study to make yourself smarter and wiser but those that come to try to make us in the image of the world we have to resist it's amazing how an Abraham and Lot came and they came into that area and uh, Abraham said to Lot we, we need to separate and and look out over this land Lot and, and you just choose what you want to watch this Lot who was consistently entrapped with image consulting of his own life consistently choosing the wrong things Abraham who had been summoned by God always trusted in God's ways and in God's timing they looked out over these great lands pastor Jason and Abraham said what do you want Lot Lot looked out and he saw the most fertile land he saw the thing that looked most beautiful and his selfishness and his pride and all that that I have dealt with and you have dealt with he took the first thing he took the first bite he took the biggest portion and he said I'll choose that and Abraham said that's fine Lot you go ahead and take it Lot marched off with his family into what was so beautiful and so fertile and so glorious what he saw with his eyes instead of consulting God he took it he says I gotta have the best and the world says to us push your way to the top the world says to you do this the world says success is based upon your bank account success is based upon your title success is based on whether you have designer clothes success is based on getting your kids into Harvard or getting them into Yale success is based on this or that and that's what Lot did but Abraham looked and he said that's fine you take that I'll take this land over here and I'll go because I'm summoned by God I will go over here and see what God will do with this land when you study it out and you study out the end of Lot and the end of Abraham Abraham took the lower land Abraham took the lesser portion Abraham said you go first Lot and when you follow it Abraham ended up with such a multitude of a generation God blessed him so much he was consistently pulling Lot out out of the ditch he was consistently interceding for lot he was consistently fighting for lots enemies he was consistently doing all of this but God blessed him and multiplied him I'm gonna tell you when God summons your name which he has done to everyone in this building there may be times that someone cuts you off in traffic you know what I'm talking about there may be time when someone reroutes you in the company there may be sometimes when someone else takes credit for what you did there may be moments when you question when is God going to bless me but if you come back to I have been summoned by the Lord and I will depend on the Lord to increase my image I will depend on the Lord because you want to talk about an image consultant look at Abraham and look at Lot Abraham hired God Lot hired himself I don't know about you but I want to hire the most high God so that my family and my church can increase come on somebody and can grow and can expand and can be blessed somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house blessings blessings summoned by name Josh or Chris if you would come help me I'm coming kind of close to where I'm going this morning which I have no idea where I'm going I'm just taking this as it comes trust me I have created you by name before you were in your mother's womb I have redeemed you when you go through waters that seem to overwhelm you hard places pressure 
in the book of Hebrews, Paul said, remember after you were first illuminated and you endured a great fight of affliction. Listen to me. That right there is a sign to all of us. Whenever you get a big God idea, a struggle is always going to follow. Whenever you get ready to step up to the plate, trouble is always going to follow. Whenever you begin to say you get illuminated means a light comes on and you know that God has given you something and you're supposed to do something, everything will come to throw you off the thing that God has put in your heart. When you're first illuminated, when, you, when the light first comes on, when it first comes you an idea or, or just that, that pertinacity, that, that perseverance, that vision in your mind and your spirit, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be in God. I want to pursue this. Then a great fight of affliction comes. We often think of affliction as sickness and, and absolutely can be so. But affliction in its Greek meaning means to press, to press, phlepsis, to press, to squeeze. When Paul used the word, it often meant to squeeze until there's nothing left in you. It means pressure comes to squeeze out what God has summoned you before the world began. Summon means to call you forth to something. And that squeeze comes on that fight. In fact, so much as I'm growing older in the Lord, I've come to believe that if I don't get resisted, I doubt I heard from God. If I don't get resistance, resistance can come in the lack of meaning and the lack of, of purpose to my day. Resistance can come with everything falling around you or just getting out of sorts or just crazy like we had Wednesday here, just crazy stuff happening. And God so came through. Resistance, it means sometimes lacking the will to do what you know God has called you to do. In the middle of the World War II and Britain was fighting that frenzied, blue-eyed man named Adolf Hitler. They were fighting them so powerful and their allies were coming and Europe was just like a Persian rug ready to be trampled upon by Hitler. All of Europe, that means England, and that means uh, all those countries could have been taken. It's amazing that in the ghetto of Warsaw, Poland, the Jews, those that had been trained, you see, Jews like Mishaya and Azariah, they were raised in a culture that said God is at the center of your life. They were raised in a culture that kept the Sabbath so the Sabbath could keep them. And in the ghetto of Warsaw, Poland, the Jews there were keeping the Sabbath. In the concentration camps, they were keeping the Sabbath. And Hitler was pouncing into Europe and London was being bombed. And Winston Churchill, who had been summoned before time began to do a work, made a great speech and they won. But when after they'd won, after all the dust had settled, all the ruins were there. Sometimes, listen to me, trials that you go through, fires that you go through, hard places, sometimes what you see when it's done, and I want to steady myself calmly right here. Sometimes what you see can depress you. What you see is ruins in your heart. Ruins, ruins are things that are left 
around after something devastating years ago. Sometimes you don't know the ruins of an event in your life for many, many years to come. I'm not saying that to frighten you. I'm just saying you don't ever know. And you see the ruins. And when Winston Churchill saw the ruins in England, the Great Depression set in. So many things had been bombed and so much money had been lost and so much devastation. Yes, Hitler was dead. And yes, the Jews had been freed. But here we are dealing with less than enough. And here we are dealing with ruins. That means what's left over fragments and rubble. Ruins. Ruins. And how do we rebuild and what do we do? And sometimes we see that in heart from a rejection years ago, a betrayal, a loss. And we think, what? What do we do? And if we're not careful, our heart will tend to lean into darkness and into depression. And those devouring fangs of your enemy, Lucifer, your adversary, and his camp begin to press in. But Winston Churchill stood one day at a great university there. He stood and he only said two words. And those two words turned it all around. And it was simply, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit when you're rebuilding in people's lives. Because I'm going to tell you, there's often devastation left over. When you've been helping someone, when, you, when some of these prodigals are coming in, the devastation, the ruins are years in the making. And sometimes rebuilding it, sometimes restoring it, it takes time, it takes energy. But we can't quit just as he was summoned by name. Look at your neighbor and say, you are summoned by name. So the Lord says, I will be with you. Now I want to tell you what's so powerful about this. Psalms 91, he said, the angel shall keep charge over you. The angel shall keep you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Who doesn't want angels? I pray angels around my house every night. Who doesn't want angels? He calls himself Lord Sabbath, Lord of the host. Who doesn't want angelic protection? Who doesn't want angels interfering and intercepting and turning us this way and keeping us from going down this road? I'm going to tell you people, we're living in a different day than your grandparents lived in. We're living in a day when we cannot live by the flesh. We have got to live by the Spirit. And that word that says the Spirit will lead you and guide you, it means in the Greek, He gently takes you by the hand and He carries you We've got to be open as never before to listen to his voice. And he says, I will be with you. Angels are glorious. We welcome them. We embrace them. But let me tell you a promise. When God said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to send my angel with you. You know what? Moses would say, praise God. That is so exciting. We're just going to be really delighted by that. Yes, send an angel. But Moses said, no, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your angel. But if you don't go with us, we're not going forward. If you don't move with us, if you're not with us, this group of a million people that you brought out of Egypt, we're not going forward. I believe more than ever of our predecessors, more than ever in any time of history, we have got to say, God, you must go with me. What I'm going through in 2011, the blessings and the hard places, you must go. Church of the harvest, we must say as never before, Lord, you must go with us. If you believe that, lift up your hands and 
say to God, God, go with us. God, go with us. Father, if you don't go with us, Lord, we will not go forward. And he says, I will be with you. Such a powerful thing. And the first time you ever saw that verse laid out that we talked about Wednesday night, and those three guys are thrown into the fire and they're walking around. And Nebuchadnezzar says, we threw three guys into the fire, but there's a fourth man. And he looks like the son of gods. That translation in the Hebrew does not mean an angel. It means the son of God. It means the pre-incarnate Christ came and walked in the fire with them. I'm going to tell you something about the Word before we finish. I'm going to tell you something about the world before we finish. This Word is to be taken literally. This Word is to be taken at what it is. A Word that is wise and powerful and double-edged. I'm going to tell you what's so powerful about that is we studied on Wednesday night. Listen to some of these names. He gave these guys names. He renamed them. He named them by names that said, Aku is God. Nebuchadnezzar changed their names. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are names that are not good names. It means I serve a foreign God. It means a foreign God will get me through. It means a foreign God. It means that this in my life will get me through. That's okay. My intelligence will get me through. That means my weakness will get me through. My, um, my guile's strong constitution will get me through. It means my looks will get me through. It means my wealth will get me through. It means I will depend on me and my strength to get me through. But those were not the names that the Lord had given them. The names that God had given them are like the names that God has given you and I. He summoned you by name. That means before the foundations of the world, He called you Tiffany forth for something. He not only called you forth for something, but He gave you a name that in the book of Revelation, it says He will give you when you get to heaven. And I believe as we shared Wednesday night, that in moments of your life, moments that you feel that press, moments that you feel like you don't know how to get through, I don't believe that God speaks to you names that the world has given you. I don't believe God says to me when I'm in a hard place, whether that's just somewhere I'm fixing to get up and go. I don't believe He says, you procrastinator, you. You overeater, you. You timid one, you. You slacker, you. You pornography addict, you. You timid, you. You never get anything done, you. You who quit before you finish, you. You, He never gives those names to you because He never gave you those names in the beginning or in the middle or in the end. It was your experience. It was the world. It was what you went through. It was what you survived that tried to give you those names. Those were just waters you were passing through. Come on, somebody. Those were just fires you were walking through. Those were just situations that did not name you. They were 
simply a place that you pass from point A to point B. I may have been a procrastinator most of my little childhood life, but God calls me one who is always prepared ahead. I may have been lazy as a little girl and caught up in the color of the spectrum of the drama of life, but God calls me intent and set forth for the purposes of God in this generation. I may have been a loser according to the world. I may have had six husbands. I'm speaking now metamorphically. I may have had six husbands. I may be on my seventh husband, but the Lord calls me and summons me as chosen and faithful and blessed and anointed and called by his name. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him in this house. Come on. I wish somebody would praise him. God's ability to summon is so powerful. Let me tell you this before I end. It's so powerful. And this is a faith builder. How is God going to help you in this economy? How is God going to help your goals and your dreams and your visions? How is God going to help this church and every church in this nation? How is God going to finance his work in the earth? How is God going to make provisions 180 years before a man was conceived? That means before his great granddaddy met his great grandmama in Isaiah 45, 250 years earlier, God summons a baby from the celestial skies of the unknown where the babies live in their seed form. And he said, I'm going to summon you, Cyrus, by name, 250 years. I'm going to put it in my book. So when all generations read, and this is what he said, Cyrus, I summoned you and I call you by name for this reason. Why I call you to be an earthly heathen king. Someone say not a believer. He wasn't a believer. He wasn't a a God-fearing Yahweh worshiping man. But God said, I will call him. I will name him. I will write it in my book that come 250 years later when my people need wealth and my people. Oh, don't you tell me that was just then. If it is, then you are God's stepchild and you're the children of a lesser God. Then you're some outcast of a God who laid down his mantle, his wisdom, and his glory generations ago. Then he's a God who is feeble and weak, and you should serve Buddha. But if you believe that he is Yahweh, the self-existent creator of the ends of the earth, if you believe he is the I Am, the Alpha, and the Omega, if you believe he is who he says, he is, then you got to believe that God can summon a Cyrus for you in this generation. He can bring out of the heathen storehouses, come on somebody, people with wealth to finance what God wants to do in you. Oh, somebody ought to stand. I'm not done, but stand and give God praise all over this house. Come on, come on, just keep standing and I'll talk to you on your feet. Come on. Come on. He said, just keep standing. I'm done. He says, Cyrus, and listen to this. I know, I know. Someone said, man, you you take the word so literal. I don't know how else to do it, people. That's why I've got faith. He said, Cyrus, I'm speaking you. I'm summoning you, Cyrus. 
years. Every time I think about that, I think about that movie, Mummy, when they summon some mummies from the dead. I don't know, every time I hear that summon, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just using it as a PowerPoint. God summoned him before his great granddaddy. God is summoning some people. He's already summoned them years ago. And he said, Cyrus, this is what I'm going to do to you. 250 years from now, though you don't know my name, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring you to a place of prominence. And I'm going to have you say to my people, Behold, restore. You see, God can summon a heathen king to come to you. What is a heathen king to you? It's someone with prominence, power, and the riches to say to you, it's time to restore. It means someone can come to Rhonda Davis, a banker, and say, I heard you're supposed to build something. It's supposed to have a bunch of windows. I heard you're going to build something that four other women didn't fulfill. I heard you're supposed to do this. Well, God summoned me and says, it's time to build. I don't even know your God. I don't even believe in your God. But dear Lord, he won't leave me alone. So here, here's your wealth and here's the plunder. Oh, no, that's not just God of then. That's the God of now who finds finances everything he wants to do come on somebody he said I in Isaiah 45 he said Cyrus I'm going to give you treasures in darkness. When Cyrus marched into Sardis and Babylon, they were the two richest cities in the known world. And he says it just like this. Why, Cyrus, have I called you? Now, he's speaking to a man that is not going to be born for 250 years. Why have I called you for this work? It is for one reason and one reason only. Now, listen to the heartbeat. Listen to the beat of your father who summoned you. Listen, who created you and formed you and redeemed you. Hear his heartbeat hear it why Cyrus it is for one reason and one reason only it is for the sake of my servant my chosen ones I've called you by name I am the Lord God and there is no other I've prepared you even though you don't know me so all the earth will know me so you can finance it I'm gonna tell you God can summon people right now some people in this room right now I'm not dumb but I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit you need some people to summon some educators to give you a break and an entrance to where you need to exceed your you need someone to summon a job someone needs to give you a job God has laid a Cyrus up for you you are the apple of his eye you are the treasure the enemy like a lion teeth like I dreamed at six o'clock this morning these horrible teeth I can tell you the dream but it woke me up shaking and I got up praying that come to consume the people of God to make you and I feel like we are children of a lesser God God has already summoned a Cyrus to give you a job God has already summoned a Cyrus to finance your education oh my I feel the Holy Spirit in this house this morning God don't worry pastor will be back next week I'm, I'm, I'm not won't be up here acting freaky but it's just his who I am I, I don't apologize I'm telling you I sense that God is summoning oh my he is summoning some businesses some divine partnership God is asking for some faith to be elevated God is asking for some faith to be elevated to believe that God has already summoned call forth people of prominence and position we can continue to live as a church body as second-class citizens and think that it's all passed us up we can continue to live as individuals as I often struggle with like I'm a piece of used goods or I can say 
today I accept the summons from the Most High God that whatever He wants to do through me and this generation, God has already summoned a Cyrus to put me in the position and to finance what He wants to do. Somebody give the Lord another shout of praise. Come on, come on, one more time, and I promise we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit is speaking. The Holy Spirit is commissioning you. The Holy Spirit is compelling you. Listen. When he walked in the fire with them and Nebuchadnezzar saw them, he was not saying, Shadrach, Meshach. It says, when I will be in the fire, not an angel. I will be with you as you go forth to get that job. I will be with you as you go to build. I will be with you as you get your education. I will be with you. I will be with you. That I will be is not just you're facing cancer. I will be with you when you go to work. I will be with you when you take that test. I will be with you. I don't believe he was walking around saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, drugs is your God. You procrastinate, are you? You lazy one, you uncommitted one. No, I believe he does what he does in the midnight hour when he speaks the names that only he himself know over each one of us, that someday we'll know. I believe he was calling them a Hazariah. The Lord is your God. That's what your mother named you, Mishaeli. Yahweh is gracious, Hazariah who is like our God. That's what he's speaking over you right now. I want everyone to lift your hands right now to the Lord in this house. Come on, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I make myself available. I make myself available. I make myself available right now. Praise and worship team, if you will join me on the stage. I make myself available. I make myself available. Come on. The Lord is just speaking. He's trying to raise faith up. I don't want to get ahead of Him or behind Him. He's trying to elevate faith that He has not only summoned you by name, but He's summoned people to give you promotions. He's summoned people to finance the restoration you're to do in lives. Every one of us are to be restoring lives one way or the other. He has summoned the resources. God has summoned some people to pay court costs. I just heard that by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that's about. Come on, keep your hands up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 We're going to go into that tag. Your kindness is forever in a moment, but as every hand is lifted, come on, just let the Holy Spirit. There's something you need to ask the Lord. You need to know that God has summoned somebody to give you a job, to give you a promotion, to give you a blessing, someone you need to mentor your child, someone you need to train, someone in your life, something that you need from the Lord right now, right now, right now as the musicians and the singers are in their place. Come on, right now, right where you are, right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you. We stand before you. And Lord, we thank you that you have summoned people. You have summoned people, Lord. You have summoned people just as you have summoned us by name. You called each of our names. Lord, for anyone in this room that's doubting that, I pray you would break through their doubt. 
but Lord, that you have called each of us by name before time ever began. And Lord, as you have summoned us, you've called us forth to something, each one of us, one of every one of our Hope House ladies, every one of our men this morning, every one of our women, every young person, you summoned them. You said, you are mine. You are mine. I created you. I redeemed you. I bought you. I bought you from your enemy. I have summoned you by name for my purpose and my glory. Lord, as hands are lifted all over this room, we accept that right now. We accept that, God. For some of us that our faith has been weak. For some of us, Lord, that maybe we have doubted that. The world has pressed in to name us something else. To name us those names that our experiences said we were. That our circumstances said that we were. To name us. But Lord, your name that you have given us when you summoned us, it was who we could be in you, God. And today with hands lifted up all over this house, we receive that name. We receive that name, God. We don't know exactly, maybe exactly what that name is, but we know it is a blessed name. We know that it's a name given by a loving God that calls us usually the opposite of whatever the world called us. We know it's a name that speaks to who we can be in you, Lord Jesus. So right now, right now, Lord, right now, Lord, right now, Lord, we accept that name. We accept that name. We accept that name. As every eye is closed and your hands are lifted, if you're in this house this morning and you do not know Jesus or you are away from him, it would be the saddest day for you to leave this place away from Jesus Christ. It would be the saddest day for you to walk out these doors and not know him. He's here calling you by name. He summoned you before you were in your mother's womb that you would do his works and he's here for you right now. If that's you this morning, I want you to know Jesus is speaking your name. He said, if you would confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that you would be saved. As every hand is lifted, I want everyone in the room to say, Jesus, Jesus, I come today. I come back to you. I confess away from you and today I'm coming back to you in Jesus name somebody give the Lord a head clap of praise yes you are Lord yes you are yes you are Lord yes you are hallelujah hallelujah now this is what we're gonna do I feel the urgency I feel the urgency this morning for a closing prayer of faith. I feel the Lord is summoning and putting some things into position. Summon means to call forth. God is summoning some things. And what I want you to do is, would you either take the hand of the person on your right or left, find someone that you can pray with. And I want you to pray, listen, young ladies of Hope House, 
God has summoned you and spoken your name before time began and spoken things out of your existence that you would do. God is real serious about that, Colette. Real serious about that. He's already prepared them for you, Ephesians said. He prepared them in Christ Jesus. He summoned you. He put people together to get where you are. Brothers and sisters in this house, mature believers, God has summoned some position and some prominence for us as individuals, as churches, for future ministries. Right now, I want you to pray. I want you to pray as we begin to sing, your kindness is forever. I want you to pray for that hand. Come on, pray for divine strategy. Pray for divine strategy. Pray for divine order. Pray for God to put together what only God can. What only God can. Rasson. Yes. 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 Come on. Let the prayer, the prayer of faith, He speaks who you are to be. He speaks who you are to be. He declares you. He declares you. No more smelling like smoke. No more smelling like the fire. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus, pray for that head. We pray for divine connection. We pray for heavenly summons. We pray for people to be put in position for wealth and finances to come. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God who summoned Cyrus, the great king of Persia, that you can finance restoration of your people. Lord, finance educations in this room. Finance better jobs in this room, God. Finance substance in this room. Finance and ordain by your sovereignty, God. That which you want to accomplish. That which you want to accomplish. God, put key people, key people. Let our faith be lifted up. 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 Yes, Lord. I'm sorry, we're going to go back, right back into that for just a moment. But listen, the Lord just reminded me of something. We said this Wednesday night, but he just brought it so strong to me. These three did not smell like smoke when they came out of the fire. We talked about Wednesday night, the true deliverance means you don't smell like smoke anymore. It means that we don't even know that you ever went through trouble. It means when you meet someone and you're working with them in the kingdom and someone says, you know what they went through three years ago, right? And then seven years ago and 10 years ago. And you're like, no, I would have never known that. I would have never known that. They're so full of joy and peace and love and anger is nowhere in them and bitterness and frustration can be found. It's because of that, when it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, you, it says in the Hebrew, 
your God prevailed for you because you trusted Him. That word is nepesh in the Hebrew, and it means to bathe yourself in the presence of God. The way to get past some former things, if you're in this room and you're smelling like smoke, you're smelling like the battle, you can't deal with the frustrations and the anger, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing but you bathing yourself in the presence of God. We're going to sing this one more time, and for the closing moment, just to give confidence to the people around you that really need this, I want everyone to lift your hands and sing this to the Lord and bathe yourself just for a moment that the smoke would come off of you, that the anger, the thing would come off of you. Come on, come on. That you would no longer smell like that child. You would no longer smell like that affliction. Come on, worship, worship. Come here, Joanne. 